Hello, everybody. This is At The Elephants. I'm your host, Rob Morris, and we got a brand new episode for you today. A couple of quick updates. We're going to have a very quick intro uh, for this episode with Mr. Matthew Van Gessel, who I love very much from the bottom of my heart and had a great chat with. I want to give you a few updates about the show. Uh, first of all, Thank you to everyone who's listened to the first two episodes and shown support, and thank you to everybody who has already recorded an episode uh, with me. If you hear this, thank you, and your episode is coming out very soon, which brings me to my next update, which is I got ahead of myself, if I'm being honest. Uh, I recorded way too many of these things ahead of time, and now they are burning a hole in my editing schedule. And I have so many episodes that have already been recorded and need to be published before they're like four months old. And so I'm going to start publishing this show twice a week, two times a week for a little while until I catch up to all the episodes I've recorded. But I'm looking at my schedule of interviews uh, and conversations that I have mapped out over the next couple of months. And I don't know, maybe we'll keep up this two times a week thing for a while, but it's looking like until the end of 2022, Give or take, you're going to have two episodes a week about the elephants if you're interested. So um, I want to get really quickly to this uh, conversation. I had a great time talking to Matthew Van Gessel. He's class of 2015 in the School of Drama. And we're going to get into it. But if you know Matt, he's an incredibly intelligent fellow, uh, has some great thoughts that he articulated about his journey after school and the things he's been working on in the world of clowning and filmmaking and horror movies and how much uh, of a specific experience it is to kind of really be a film nerd that went to drama school. I can relate to it myself. Uh, A lot of times people assume I went to the film school. A lot of people assume uh, Matt, uh, or MVG as so many people call him, uh, was in the film school, but we are proud drama alums uh, who are just huge film buffs, and we're going to get into that. Um, I do want to comment really quickly just because I know when I listen to podcasts or watch podcasts, I have this experience. If there's a quality issue, like the sound is weird or it cuts out or whatever, I'm like, what is that? Is it me? I check my device. I'm like, did I fuck up? Did I, my, my internet going out? What's going on? Um, for so long, and I've mentioned this before, I refuse to do this show online almost at all. I think very early, there was maybe a couple interviews I did over Skype back in the day when we were all Skyping. Um, But I I put off doing it over Zoom, even the pandemic. I think I recorded an episode or two, but I I just, for two reasons, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, I find the in-person interviews have so much more intimacy. Uh, it, It feels like a more natural conversation. You're not waiting for other people to uh, finish their thought to make sure you don't cut them off, which maybe for me is a better thing. But I put it off because I wanted the quality to be really good. I know sometimes I listen to podcasts and I think, oh, that microphone was so cheap. They sound all tinny or it's all rustly or there's no noise cancellation. So I'm hearing shit in the background and I find that frustrating. But I, you know, if you listen to the Joshua Morgan episode a couple of weeks ago, you know that I finally bit the bullet and said, you know what, fuck it. I'd rather have the conversations at the best quality I can possibly get them and do it over Zoom for the people who I cannot get to, mostly people on the East Coast. I live in Los Angeles myself, despite my Times Square poster that I have behind me. 
So I did bite the bullet. I've done a lot of these interviews over Zoom, and I've also done some in-person interviews. Um, if you heard the Charles Osborne episode, that one was in person here in my studio. Um, I have another episode with uh, Shana Penn from the School of Design and Production coming out soon. That was recorded live here at my place. Um, but a lot of these interviews are gonna be over Zoom. This one with MVG is over Zoom. There are a few moments where the audio drops out, I made notes while it was happening. If you watch the video of this, you'll see. I, I made a note every time it sounded like his audio was dropping out and uh, because of the internet. So um, the number one thing that I did to try to mitigate the quality issues is I got one of my microphones, I have a lot of them, and I put it in a little hard case and I shipped it to New York. And a lot of these interviews that we're doing are with my microphone that I sent to them to make sure that it's quality. Um, that's one of the things that I can do, but what I can't do and what did impact a number of these recordings is the internet connection. So you have a dropout here and there. Uh, I've got a couple of interviews coming up, one that was filmed in a hotel room and the hotel Wi-Fi. We all know if we've stayed in hotels and used the hotel Wi-Fi, not the best. It works, but it's not consistent. And so... Uh, this interview that you're about to listen to does have a few drops. Um, it's not that often. It's, you know, I'm looking at my notes here and it's, it's about like maybe once every 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, there's a couple of moments where it kind of drops out. And when I got it in the editor, I thought to myself, like, I'm going to go cut those moments or I'm going to clip it or I'm going to try to repair it. And truthfully, after reviewing it and really taking a look, it's not that bad. You basically understand what he was trying to say. And for an interview that's over an hour long, I mean, we're talking about a total of maybe 15 seconds of dropped audio. You can pretty much figure out what he was trying to say. It was recorded on my end, so my audio is clear, but all the stuff from Matt is where the drops happen. So that's what you're hearing. Don't adjust your TV screens. Don't adjust your iPhones or Androids or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, it's not you. It's me. It's us. Um, but it's a great chat, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's get on with Mr. Matthew Van Gessel. Cool. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing well. Yeah? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I've been doing, yeah, very well. I've been very busy. You look like you've been working um, at the wharf, doing some fisherman's yeah, work. Well, yeah, what's the, what's the temperature in, are you in LA right now? Yeah. Let's what's see, what is it right this second? Um, it's probably like 85. It's like going back up again. 86. So I think we have like one more week of like 90 ish stuff coming and then we should be cooling off. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we've, we've arrived at winter already. Um, fantastic. It's already cold, huh? Oh uh, yeah. Here I'm hiding myself view here. That's so much better. Um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, it's cold. It's very cold, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm down with the, yeah, but the, you're like from there, really you like that you went back yeah. to that after college. And this is like, what, you know, is that Northeastern vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was in LA for whatever, six months. Um, and it's great, but I will say for me, because I'm so used to and like the changes of the seasons and like gloomy rainy days, to me, it's almost more oppressive missing them mm. than not. I mean, I'm like, I've been like in a great mood the last couple of days because of the cold weather. Um, right. No, we're like, like that too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're definitely it's just, like I mean, that. It's it's you know, it's so weird because I definitely appreciate it, but almost anywhere I've ever lived where it's really good, it's too much. So it's like if I had to choose between too little mm-hmm. or too much, I have to choose too little because in the places where it's like, well, I do get a little yeah. rain or I do get a little snow, it ends up being so much fucking rain or snow that I'm like, I got to fucking leave here. And I'd rather have, I'd rather just, you're a toxic relationship. You know, it's like you, you overstay your welcome yeah, every yeah, time yeah. the, the weather's got to go, but I miss it all the time. And then I'm out here and I'm like, man, it's been like fucking months, like 10 months since I've seen rain. And I'm like, this sucks, but I only wanted to rain like for yeah. like three days. And well, then I wanted to go back to sunshine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I, like I'm, it's, it's what you can't have, but I mean, I, I, right. I love the West coast too. And I definitely, um, enjoyed living there. I think that there's sort of, um, I need my external environment to, uh, somehow be a reflection of my internal life. Mm. And I, yes, sir. uh, I feel like my, my twenties especially has been, um, you know, I want I want my my environment to struggle with me, I guess. Like there's something about like L.A. feels like a place where I will go when I feel as though I've arrived or I've earned being there. Um, Interesting. While in New York, I sort of, well, I sort of walk out on the street and it's like, oh, here we like get to work. You know, you put your nose to the grindstone and kind of, you know, um, that's yeah, we don't do any I work out here. here. It's a work-free environment. Right, exactly. It's all just beach, beaches and smoking weed. That's all you guys do. I that's know. Right. I see. <laughs> it's all given to um, us for free by the government. We don't have to go to work. Right. They just hand us sand and pot. And they're and like, like you're you welcome. Pacified and, uh, you know. Yep. We're like cattle. You know, exactly. What is California keep us docile. For sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about but, your 20s, uh, yeah. dude. Because last time yeah. I uh, really saw you and we were spending time together, you were just starting your 20s. It's true. That's true. I've um, only seen you like a couple of times since then. We yeah, were I think sc- I see, yeah. We overlapped yeah. a little bit at school, but not um, not the whole time. You're a few years younger right. than me. And you're really quite a few years younger than me because I was younger than my, or I was older than my class. But um, one of the things that I got to just share off the bat, I always like to tell people how I know people. And, uh, you know, I'll always think of you as my first real assistant, dude. Like I was yeah, doing my yeah, directing sure. program and there's nothing in the directing program that says you get to, or should have an assistant director for any of your projects. Right. But I was like, I have my ADD and everything is too much. And I need somebody to download with at the end of the day and not wait till directing class. And you and I hit it off and we're buddies and you were interested in the program, didn't end up doing it, but we're interested in it for a while. And so it was like a kind of a win-win where it's like, you got to be in on all of that future shit and try and like, see what it would be like. And then I got to not have to take my own notes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I mean, but it changed like the, the directing program changed a lot. And I do feel like, right. I've said it multiple times since too. Like I'm, I I'm greatly appreciated. I feel like I got in a lot of ways, uh, uh, an abridged, version of whatever you were learning in class that day and the way that a lot of people say that the best way to learn something is by teaching it to somebody else whether you were conscious of it or not i think you know you were also kind of 
relearning and confirming the things that had been addressed in class by sort of telling them to me. And I was like mm. a puppy, you know, in terms of how eager I was to learn some of these things. Um, right. I would like I, go I, sit down with Gerald and me and Robert Bessida and the other boys would try to milk right. everything out of him. And then I would run right, off to right. rehearsal and I would be like, Matt, fucking yeah. Well, yeah. You would give me like the highlights. And <laughs> yeah. I also didn't have the kind of the barrier of like, Jer of like having to get it from, you know, this kind of God a guy, like, uh, who had aphasia sort of like, and could barely talk. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember, I remember, you know, he would, like close his eyes and he was so old and you know two strokes and you're like he's he's asleep or something and, and they'd be like gerald and like, i'm listening yeah you know he'd be like he'd close his eyes just to just to he you know just to really hear plays um but anyway you know I, I, I i got a lot from you from that and i and i um yeah i still i still remember things things that you've said uh and things that um you relayed from that class to me. Uh, and it definitely, I mean, I didn't need to go to the directing program because I already did it practically. Right, yeah. like that was In a way you had a, a kind of, what do they call it when you do that with academic classes? You don't, you don't have to take any of the tests or do any of the work, but you can go and watch it. Oh, you it. like audit kind of? Yeah, you kind of audited you? the directing program after yeah. the fact. You know what I mean? That's right. Like just kind of as it, as it, as it fizzled out as being this real Gerald's program, thing. Gerald, Gerald's program. Exactly. Which he had, you know, I mean, I reference it's like right here. I reference the, uh, a sense of direction constantly in everything I do. Um, the book Great by, book. uh, Will ball, William ball. Yeah. Um, that's like, it's like the, that, it, and, and then it's funny, actually my fourth year as an actor, um, there's a lot more free time because you're doing, prepping for showcase and, you know, or, you know, or not prepping for showcase. Um, right. and, like kind uh, of left to your own devices, though you have many devices. Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of things to be done, but they're not making you do anything really. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, one of the blocks of time, um, my fourth year ended up being a dance class that this guy that I, I've actually known since I was, uh, uh, in middle school, um, uh, uh, named Matt, also named Matt, um, uh, not Matt Lauer, but Matt Lair. Um, Got and it. He, uh, he was a dance teacher and uh, he did like a musical theater dance or jazz dance, I think, with my class. I didn't take a single one of them because Carl and Quinn had me be in. They called it the consortium, I think. Yeah, this, this that started my, third, or that started my fourth year. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's a that's a Carl thing. Yeah. Um, where it was sort of like, you know, like practice directing and I was the, it was the a directing puppet. lab, really lab. Sure. Yeah. Like to um, use a college I, mean, term, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed being a fly on the wall there, but also <laughs> it's like, um, I think Carl and Quinn knew that I have director sensibilities, even when I'm yeah. acting. Um, and the people so, who still don't do it, who don't choose the program or don't like, that's always been a thing when Gerald was in charge and when Carl was good at this too, because he was a director and that was his thing is he would see mm -hmm. that in first years. Like, it's like, right. it's like seeing your hair color. Like, and I, I remember even myself, cause that was like my thing that's dude, that's why I picked you 
to be my assistant. It wasn't just because you were right, some right, actor right. kid that was like particularly fun to hang out with. It was like, right. you've got that mindset already. You're going to appreciate the conversation, give things back, you know? And I mean, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So they're going to know that. And for anyone curious that, that class, which Carl brought in, uh, I don't know how long it lasted or if, if any version of it still exists now, but, um, when Carl brought it in, it was my fourth year and directing class was, well, I should say the program really, other than directing shows instead of acting was three main differences. Otherwise you took all the acting classes, but you took two directing classes, uh, with Gerald, and then you would take design classes in DMP. And these were in place of like extra singing and dance classes and stuff like that. They would just swap you out. And when Gerald did it, it was really only two classes. It was two directing classes. And one of them was only your year. So there was a third and a fourth year. And it would be only the third years would meet with him once a week. Only the fourth years would meet with him another day of the week. And then on Friday, we would have roundup is what we called it. Everybody would come, all all the directing students from both years. And we would talk about what was going on in the shows and problems like that. And Carl brought in this great idea that I remember being like, fuck, I can't believe I didn't get more of this. I wish it had been more of a thing where they would, we would, yeah, it was a directing lab. We would have a scene or we would have an idea even. It didn't even have to be a full scene. It would just be the concept of like a moment or something we read in a directing book. And we wanted to see how it would actually play out in practice, which you normally have to wait for a rehearsal of something. And so we would just like, pull actors out of acting class who weren't going that day, like not doing their scenes or whatever. And we would just pull them in and we would be like, yo, what's with this fucking moment in streetcar? No one's even doing it, but we were talking about it a week ago. And we're like, what if we could see how that physically looks or what's the important moment that's really happening here, but we can't just five directors sit around and figure that out. And man, I'm so glad that you got to be a part of that because I haven't really thought about it since we did it. But it's one of my favorite things. And I wish there was more of that just in education in general. Like, let's go yeah, practice well, it's it. Like, let's I think see. the thing that I liked was that, you know, at first for a lot of the um, students that were coming in, because the way that the program worked changed, obviously, uh, more and more of the direct, fewer and fewer of the directors, rather, were coming out of the acting program. And they were, right, they were more uh, transfers. Beginning and... as they, were, they were coming from the, maybe the film program, if they were already at UNCSA, or they were... Uh, uh, you know, coming to the school as maybe undergrads or something to, to just begin directing um, and just doing theater directing. I'm not entirely sure, frankly, how it all works now. Um, and it was changing while I was there. But one of my favorite things was how it would evolve from sort of them uh, trying to be clever and show off, you know, some sort of like unique concept or idea in staging or something like that. Um, and then Carl and Quinn basically like sort of secretly directing me to like be bad um, or to not understand something or to like. Uh, you were uh, a plant. Exactly. To sort As of like say like in a comedy show. That, you were that, in on the act. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like That's to awesome. ignore that director instinct inside of me to because I mean, really, if you're working with a really good actor, they're going to be fine tuning some of your direction a little bit to fit them and to fit what of course. they sort of know is right, you know? Um, but like, you know, uh, uh example? yeah, it was, it was Do you have an example nice of a time? I'm trying to remember. I just remember there was one time where it's like, uh, 
I don't remember exactly. I was standing somewhere and a, a director who I, I guess I probably shouldn't name, but like, you know, they were trying to get me to um, like do a cross or something, but they were too hung up on the idea of like not telling me explicitly what to do. It was a um, whole like, were, get them there, like lead them. Right. Exercise. When, when in fact the reality, it was sort of like a, a good I, a good balance exercise because th that is generally a good way to direct. But you know, if someone's got to cross the, the stage, you just go, I can go here over there. Cross the stage. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to direct. Um, like, do right now. Would you, what do you like? What is Hold he on want? one second. Like, uh, go back. Like, maybe he wants. Go back like 20 seconds in what you were saying. Kind of cut out on my end. Oh, no problem. I was just saying it was like uh, th them asking about like, what, what, um, like, what do you think he wants? Like, what do you think? Do you think um, like maybe he wants to look out the window? I don't know. You know, and you're like, oh, no, I'm going to stay here. You know, and they're just like, right. It was sort of a uh, that's what I remember. And I just remember it was it. it, it uh, yeah, it's quite it was quietly amusing to sort of be there and and uh, purposefully ignore it would have Your been funny if any of the things. any of the directors had kind of gotten wind of it and be like, "Can we try it without fucking Matt?" With can Matt, we, yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds well, like I, he I mean, doesn't know how to do shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, yeah, I was. I didn't. I, I. I didn't take a single dance class with my old friend Matt um, because they they just kept being like, "Oh, can you can come do the?" It was only like once a week, but like for like yeah. You it was know, like on a Wednesday when I was something. there. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday. I think it was the exact same. Exact same. I love um, that, dude. So when you got out yeah. of school, what was your trajectory? Like, what were you up to? You went right back to the city because you're from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. So um, I was there for only like a couple months. I taught uh, theater to like middle school kids and did uh, Susical, directed a production of Susical. I did that. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I did that in high point, Horton, uh, you know, what's the, notice me Horton and notice me stuff. Horton. Dude. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's, uh, it's a cute yeah, show it was, and it's easy for kids to learn because it all rhymes. Yeah. And I, I will say that there was, um, you know, it because, because near the beginning of my fourth year, like I was pretty happy at school for the most part. Like I, I had various difficulties but you know my ideal life is one that is constantly uh surrounded by art and creativity and conversations about it and uh that was a place where that was happening and you're around like-minded people and you're constantly working on stuff um and then slowly fourth year even what we're talking about the schedule begins to open up and i did not handle that particularly well i didn't use mm -hmm. my free time um in particularly useful ways and i knew it too like that was the worst part is that i sort of was like aware um and uh you know i mean th this is all in hindsight obviously but like th there's this i sensed the sort of this dreadful momentum towards real life and uh kind of kind of uh rolled up into the fetal position sort of like you know I, I didn't totally realize it but it was the beginning of me getting extremely uh depressed and so like when i left 
school. I I did do this stuff with these middle schoolers and these and did did Seussical, but you know, uh, internally for me it was quite uh, a dark while Dr. Seuss uh, surrounded me and uh, all of this kind of stuff. But um, and and so then and I moved to the city and it was it was kind of like I had no idea what to do. Like um, I had gotten meetings uh, out of Showcase, but not as many as I had hoped. Um, I made a lot of both of my scenes changed between LA and New York. Um, like I was, I think I was the only person whose scenes even changed uh, along with my partners, obviously. Um, and I don't even think it was my, I, I just, uh, uh, kind of was finding myself getting extremely disenchanted, um, by the career, by the, by the, um, industry aspect of everything because it was kind of dumped on me or us is how I felt is because it's not something that was discussed at all until fourth year. And even then, um, you know, the scenes that we were working on in class were like scenes from plays from the forties, you know, um, which kind of is my bread and butter. Like I love like mid 20th century stuff. Um, but like, you know, that, that it's not necessarily a toolbox that is easily applied to the, to the, current industry unless you know how to do that um and it has taken me i'd say probably almost the entire time uh being out of school and a pandemic um and i can only say with the sort of last maybe three shows behind me that um that i like kind of get it now all of a sudden i'm like oh certain things are clicking i'm understanding the ways in which i need to navigate this stuff um, it's not, uh, and I don't, I don't, um, I don't in any way like, uh, like blame the school or anything or blame the, I mean, like, how can you know, it's a, such a constantly changing thing. Um, I, I, y- you know, most of the people I, I know or work closely with who are successful to various degrees, they can't tell you like here are the rules, here are the steps, you know, it's such a, uh, interesting industry, but the one thing above all else that I did really appreciate that I think was enforced, uh, in kind of the last two years I was there. And really I, I, I do credit Carl with this was, um, a big drive to make your own work, uh, right. And to self-produce and to do things like that. Um, and so that really became what I focused on once I came to New York. Um, I did, uh, I did the whole, well, I guess I should say about, I did showcase, I had uh, a bunch of meetings, um, uh, uh, and this is a vulnerable, uh, somewhat vulnerable story, I guess, but it's, but it's, I think it's good. I, I, I fell the week before moving to New York, like, uh, 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 drunk with some people. I was, I fell, I fell down some stairs and I hit my eye nice, and the white of my right eye hemorrhaged and filled with blood. Holy um, shit. so it didn't hurt but I looked gnarly. I looked like a James Bond villain. I had one sure. like fully red eye. Um, You've already got some pretty big Googlers there, my dude. I know, I know. And so, and so now, I mean, I, I'll tell you like, like walking into like a restaurant or something 
and then you like take off your sunglasses and one of your eyes is fully blood red uh people would give me this like oh shit like we can't don't fuck with that guy um right like like they feared me which i kind of um i kind of dug but um the uh uh i did i did like a couple meetings where i had to look like that and um sort of was just like yeah i fell um and I also had meetings with some big agencies and but more meetings with smaller agencies and kind of uh, counted my chickens a little bit before they mm. hatched in the sense that I was like, oh, well, I mean, if uh, parent, you know, if like I, if these other agencies are interested, like, fuck these little ones. Um, and sure. I didn't really I, I, I was riding on a kind of. Um, uh, uh, arrogance that I had left over from college that was, they'll see how talented I am. They'll see, they'll see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so that kind of, you know, and, I, uh, 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 they tell you, everybody says over and over and over again, how frequently you will be disappointed and rejected, but it is true. I really don't think you can legitimately be prepared for how you will respond to that when it's happening to you constantly. Um, right. And what is it that you have to hold on to? Because my, my worth as I'm sure yours is, and most people is largely reflected on the way people reflect it back to me, you sure. know? And if everybody's constantly saying like, no, no, uh, nice work, but no, um, it, 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 it begins to feel much more real than, you know, um, than anything else. And, uh, so especially after school where it's such a rewarding environment like even when you fail it's so encouraging they're like you know this is part of the problem like you failed because you're you're great and you're trying and you're like right and it's it's so (laughs) and and it's so safe and you know that 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 well and here's the other thing too um like when i uh when before before the year starts, you know, we watch everybody do their monologues. And I remember thinking as freshmen, you know, and so you kind of like, you know, get to go, all right, show me what you got um, with all these people. And everybody is trying to sort of impress each other and, and, and make their claim. But uh, I I was like so excited because two thirds at least of my class, I was impressed and felt challenged by. Like, I was like, wow, like, all right. Like, it, it's exciting to see that the bar is high. Um, right. It's very discouraging to be surrounded by people who, you know, whose bar is lower than yours. And and uh, that is that is a reality. And I'd say doing theater right out of school, just kind of hopping on backstage and doing whatever comes along you're going to end up in situations like that. I was only in a couple, but the first play I did in New York uh, was one of the most miserable experiences of my life. Like I, I was so unhappy um, and I felt like I was the only one. I mean, it was, it was so hard because I was trying to do good work and trying to just sort of advocate for myself as an actor and for what I thought was good. And for the first time, all of a sudden, this entire cast, but especially this director, thought I was some kind of diva because I actually cared about it being really good. Like, I was like, no, like, we can do this again. Like, let's. And also, people would see me warming up, and I got like, you know, kind of like t- 
teased almost for they're like, oh, there's Matt doing his whole like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. sorry, I fucking rock and y'all suck. Um, and, <laughs> sure. and there, you know, and like there were more people on stage frequently than there were in the audience several performances because it was like the play Springs Awakening. So it was this huge freaking cast and there'd be right. like five people in the audience. And I was just like so over it. That's um, discouraging, man. Very discouraging. And and uh uh and so then finally, um, uh, I did kind of have like, you know, I had several um, uh, like breaking points, essentially, like uh, but that that were all sort of generally cascading. Because I mean, this is I'm 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 more passionate about show business than I am about anything else. Like there is nothing right. that excites me more than movies and plays and and comic books and music like i it's right. just the media like, is, it is the most important thing to me life force. so not being a part of it in my like it not being my career uh is devastating and you know i have to really lean on a lot of things that that teachers did tell me like um uh i really doubted at one point that i like you know i think I had this moment in my second year where I was spiraling and, and, you know, turning 20. Oh my God, my, uh, 20 years it's over. And I, what have I done? Um, and I, uh, I was also cast as puck in midsummer night's dream when my roommate, Steven, uh, got bottom and I wanted to be bottom. And I was so disappointed about that. Got over it pretty quickly, but then there was one performance where it's the play within the play. And it kills every night because it's amazing. And and, yeah, and Stephen was great. And so was this whole class. But I was the one character who was not on stage for that scene. So all of my classmates are on stage together without me. I'm sitting backstage and the audience is just eating it up. And I'm just sitting there alone. And I remember thinking, what's the th one thing that's not out there? It's me. And they're loving it. Like I sort of thought oh, that I said, so that's so I, hard. I was. I was the weakest link. Um, and uh, and it was my 20th birthday, and I was just like in a in a weird headspace. Oh man, and that so, sucks. Um, and uh uh I remember like I got upset and like uh um gave a weird kind of a weird final monologue, you know, Puck says if we right, of course he ends the show. Um, and uh and I was like, I kind of just did it. And Matt Bullock, of course, um, rest in peace, the great. I've been talking about him a lot recently, but um, yeah, he, he comes uh, up still uh, for me all the time, all the time, all the time. I miss him a lot, but so um, when you're fucking he, great. Uh, yeah, he was like, um, uh, well, he said a lot of things to me that were very encouraging and helpful during times like that, but he was like giving me notes and I was like really trying to like keep it together. Like I was like on the ver verge of um, sobbing and um, right. Well, my th my thought was thinking, oh, your dreams have been a mistake, is what I kept thinking. Um, and uh, and I said something along the lines of like, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm doubting whether or not I'm I'm any good. Um, and Matt goes, ah, man, only the best ones do. And then after that, he uh, also said, you know, his classic line, too. You've probably heard him say this and use it in stories as well. But he goes, hey, man. You can be in my play. Um, and so, and which, you know, is like like he would he would say the greatest compliment he could give somebody is wanting them to be in his play. Um, 
And so anyway, all that to say, um, it is things like that, that like when I doubt um, how good I am or something, uh, uh, I think about all those people who uh, don't think about that, who suck, <laughs> right? you know, and like, and, um, and, and that there are a lot of people out there who have zero um, self-doubt or at least very minimal self-doubt that they've repressed or something. I don't know. I don't know how some of those people do it, but, um, but they don't grow as a result and they don't, um, they, they don't, uh, you know, all of the, it's all of the things that you hear over and over again, but I, I, uh, all of those hard things in those, I mean, you know, it's been almost 10 years, um, uh, crazy to think, uh, I guess since I started school rather, but, um, right. um, yeah, it's seven eight, something like that. Um, but I was doing like all theater pretty much. Um, and I came to all of this acting, everything, because as a little kid, I loved movies. Like right, I was, of I would go to the library and get, you know, I would go like this to the shelves of movies. And, um, you're one of those drama kids that I think everybody is surprised isn't in film school. And I'm the same way. Oh yeah, I, I was just at a screening last night that that was a bunch of um, somewhat more recent film student people from UNCSA and, and other film people. And um, when I mentioned that I went to the school, they're all like, "Oh, film the film program, of course." Um, right. Uh, I was frequently so people were surprised frequently that I was a drama student. I think that all you got to do is spend like you know a certain amount of time with me, and maybe if I've had like a drink, I'll start singing musical theater and. And dancing or something. Um, and you go, oh, he's were you drinking um, when you applied to go to drama school instead of film school? How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I well, I I always had this dream just because of the way it's portrayed in media of like NYU film school. Like sure. I had no idea. Um, but I and I made movies in high school. Like uh I made a feature-length Hamlet movie that stars our uh, mutual acquaintance Max Stampa Brown as Hamlet because him and I went to high school together I don't know if you yeah yeah that, I didn't know that I didn't know the Hamlet story yeah yeah the trailer is still online I've I actually have done a few searches but the film I think is lost it's on a hard drive on a emac like a desktop computer I edited it on somewhere but I don't know where it is I think the whole the movie's gone but whatever um we'll do a remake um but sure. I was always making movies like camcorders, like even before I had friends, I made Lego movies like, you yeah, know, dude. and um, you know what I liked when stuff. I was a kid, there was this uh, almost, it was almost like a game and it was a computer program that my buddy had and it was a Simpsons movie maker and you, yeah, it would, the it would give you the same thing. Yeah, it would give you little animated Simpsons guys and you could use stock lines and there was a timeline. It was like right, very right. rudimentary, like iMovie, but only for The Simpsons. And me and my yeah. buddy would get together and make little sequences and it would take the computer like an hour to play it back because it was so right, not right. capable of doing that. But yeah, I, there, remember, I think that I gets that you one way or another. Well, the editing on the computer really... Uh, so like, um, you know, and I also, I, I think I appreciate it because I don't know if I had the um ability to like like learning to advocate for myself has taken me a long time to do that i kind of what does uh, that mean for you what that means for me is like um um saying i want what i want and going to get it 
Sure. Like there's sort of this thing that I think is also uh, uh, a kind of a millennial thing um, where you're sort of sorry to ask for everything. It's the kind sure. of joke of like, um, uh, no worries if not, though. No worries if not. Like right. I've stopped including that in emails because now I'm like, you know what? Worry if not. Worry if not. Um, yeah. Like I'm like, I want it. Do it. Like, and it took me a long time to get to a place where I feel like I'm allowed to say that and be that way. And demand what I want and get what I want. But I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have been self-aware at a certain age to know that the things I just was following my interests. I was just going after things right. that I'm interested in. And and um uh you know, like there are people, for example, I think, who read books and for other people so that they could talk about them with people. They 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 especially when it comes to like classic novels people sure. will read them the only reason so people read them is so they can them talk they about can how talk they read about them. them with people exactly you know um and i've picked up a few of those books and tried to do it i've i i, I you know i i, I can say that because i've had that experience but i'd say that you know my like obsession with movies is like more embarrassing than it is something i'm proud of frequently like because it's my reference point for everything. So I talk about it right. constantly and I can't help it. Like uh, it'll be sure. this thing where every single moment I'll go, oh, it's just like a, this, there's this moment in this one movie, 1946, Frank Capra. And it's like, and, and like, you know what I'm talking about? And if, inevitably they go, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I go, oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Like, you know, I just went, I got right. to You never get that connection. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and occasionally I do and, and, uh, um, and it's either extremely exciting or, or terrifying because I, it's a reflection of, uh, of this part of myself of the like movie nerd, but that's um, why we're friends. Exactly. Exactly. We're a hundred percent friends. My for friends that are people who, who fit into this thing where it's like, um, well, it's gotta be well, one or the other like hearing about movies they don't know about, you know, like yeah, but that's the thing, Matt. You can't you can't let those people be in control of who's in your life. Like my wife is Korean and she was raised super conservative, didn't watch a lot mm -hmm. of movies. Her parents watch like sports and like Korean dramas and they don't know fucking speed and lethal weapon and you know shit that I grew up watching, at least at right. least stuff from my own lifetime and you're even more of a nerd than me because you're like a classic film guy you know like old yeah. shit that i don't i could i wouldn't be able to get with you on francis capra either i would be like i think and i saw yeah, a still yeah. once <laughs> but like but we can talk about tarantino and we could talk about sure, yeah. uh you know cameron crow and we could talk about these people um at least from our own time and that was the thing that has been tough for me my whole life because i totally relate to your situation in that I have that same struggle to connect with people who have the the same taste is like an upper echelon. Just awareness and knowledge of where the fuck I'm going with something is right. so rare and it makes it so special. But you know I what's crazy, man? Too. Yeah. It is. The crazy thing is that as we get this great uh, condensed information period of evolution where everybody, there's so much and every day there's more the younger people are even less interested in before than they ever have been like 
I remember once we were in class in Mary Irwin's class and we were talking about mm-hmm. voice stuff and then we talked about music and she was like, you know what I think is so interesting about you guys, millennials in particular, and this is before she was teaching like Gen Z um, or if she, if she did even uh, by the time she left, but before they were in college, she was telling millennials, she was like, it's fascinating to me that you guys have such a wealth of knowledge about the culture that came before you. She's like, when I was growing up, we didn't listen to the same music as our parents ever at all. It was totally different. They listened to their music. We listened to our new like rock and roll music and they thought it was bad. And we thought theirs was boring. And she was yeah, like, yeah. You, you guys know the same music I do. I'll be walking down yeah. the hall and I'll hear this kid born in the late eighties, early nineties being like singing Steely Dan. And I'm like, what the fuck? is happening yeah. but well, now but it's I, the yeah. cycle is coming back around and the young kids it's going back the way it was where they're like the music from the late 2000s or late 90s is old boring stuff i don't even know what it is and what's going on now is the only thing i've heard this movie that came out two years ago is the only one i've seen i don't know that it's a reference to you know ivan reitman i don't know who that is it's like we're back <laughs> in that area where the kids yeah. don't care they're not interested. Yeah. And so you and I, we've got a party with the older folks or we've got nobody to talk to. Yeah, I'd say that that's mostly, I, I feel that to be mostly true. I think like, you know, being here, uh, you know, living in one of these major coastal cities spoils you a little bit and 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 the people that you get to meet. So it's obviously not really a, uh, uh, uh average I have fun and I, I hang out with a lot more uh, uh, early 20s um, people. Uh, oh, okay, you froze for a second. I wanted to make sure you're still. Um, I'm here. Go ahead. And uh, uh, I'd say that that a lot that 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 it's a mix. And I, I feel like there is less. Maybe less interest in that stuff, but I am uh, quite impressed by. Uh, the knowledge of some people much younger than me about areas I thought I knew things about. And in I addition, think you just found nerds. Lot, you found special nerds. Right. Well, and something though that a lot of young people, well, I just have this innate thing where I want to avoid ever saying there's something wrong with young people. Like um, you don't want to feel old yourself because that instantly that, that grandpa's might be, you. That might be why. That might be why. But it's really like more so just uh 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 look at history where it's like that is that's the that's the way everybody thinks and feels constantly everybody thinks that the youngest generation is going to fuck it all up um this whole thing of generationalism uh is something i feel like i was just sort of ignorant of for so many years because i do love old people like i'm a person who just jives with old people and and they fuck with me too like like uh, like the, the people who love me the most are like women in their sixties and seventies. Like, oh, for sure. I relate to that. They're like, they, you know, um, they're when I meet these are like, especially ones who are like from New York or like slightly well, right. you know, well read or something. They're like, you're so smart for a, for, for a young man. Like, anyway, I like those people. Um, and, and I, and I've hung out with them a lot, uh, growing up and just never, and so when this whole boomer thing started and sure. and like I started hearing, I didn't even know, like, you know, 
that I was called a millennial, I think, until I was like a freshman in college. Like, it just wasn't a part of normal. Yeah, we were talking about it when we were kids. Now, all of a sudden, it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's like a gender or a race thing, too. It's like how old right. you are or what, or what years you were born in. And I don't know. Well, I think let it's me be clear. Story. When I talk yeah. shit about these young kids not giving a fuck about old stuff, I don't I don't include within that a parenthetical. It's like and that's bad. Who gives a shit? Right, right, right. It I makes guess it I should, harder yeah. for me to talk to them. Because that's right. how I, think, I communicate because I'm like you. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's a problem. Who gives a fuck if they've seen Die Hard? Die well, Hard is yeah, for me. Yeah. Right. It was, right it's right. for me to enjoy. And I, if they I don't do want to watch it, then who gives a shit? Yeah. But I do think that curiosity uh, is it, it is my favorite trait in people. And, sure. And but there's people, so much I, stuff now for them to be curious about. They don't have time to watch shit from the 40s. Agreed. Agreed. Um, That's how they although, feel. Although, I think you know if they were if they were smart at all, they realize it's much better. Um, but uh, they, <laughs> see, uh, there you're the generational uh, fuck. <laughs> it was um, you. But but, uh, but no. But like I I uh, uh, like last night I, I was at a film screening of you know it was like new films by all sort of extremely independent like you know uh, these movies were made for no money and quite some of them some of them are like quite out there and. Um, but, uh, uh, and that is kind of like what excites me. Um, I, I, I don't understand all of it. Like, um, like I'm kind of new to social media sort of, uh, in sure. the last like two years, like actually participating in it. Like, uh, you know, I feel like that that's just like a whole new thing to me and like watching, um, TikToks and like you know what kids are doing on Instagram and all that kind of stuff and you know some of it's depressing but some of it I'm like wow like they have so much more like uh, drive or something um, I mean maybe it's sort of a sickness uh, you know a desire to be liked and seen and and famous and whatever but um, but I mean hey that was what was driving me when I was that age like we all wanted it have- we just didn't have the outlet. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I was making these movies like, you know, I would I would plug in the the camera with the three with the input and the output into the VCR and edit the movie by playing it back with the blank tape and then finding it on the camera viewfinder and then right. playing it and like edit Lego movies um, that way. And. I. I'm glad, though, that I was not making those for anyone else to see. Right. You had no expectation. Maybe my, like, you know, eight-year-old self was thinking that, yeah, that maybe somehow this would be like a big deal or something. But I don't really think I, I thought that too seriously. And um, I, do, I do kind of think that um, what I lost... At school, I could do work for myself. Like mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing they broke down out of me and then built back up. You know, they sort of broke down the performer, the person who needs to perform and taught me to be an actor, which is really about being, a, I think, more than maybe more than some other art forms, an accountability to yourself. Because yeah, the minute you're thinking about what someone else is thinking about how you're doing, you failed. You need to be challenging yourself to be truthful and be connected and be trying to do whatever it is your activity was or your objective. Like 
that's a never ending challenge that you can return to again and again and again inside of yourself and right. hold yourself to that standard. Um, but it's really hard to uh, stick with that when you start just auditioning all the time. And right. Cause you're not doing the work. Think about is what do they want? What do they want? What do they want that I'm not giving them? Um, and uh, slowly, I, I mean, I, um, uh, I did, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was in plays constantly after school. Like I am always working, was always working on something. Um, uh, but I never felt very good about most of them. Uh, and then finally I did this one play that I'm still quite proud of that was called the resistible rise of Arturo Uy. We did it in the uh, month leading up to Donald Trump's inevitable election, but we didn't know right. that was going to happen. Yet. And this play is a Brecht play. That's uh, uh, a clown uh, analogy, uh, a comedy analogy about the rise of Hitler, but it uses 1920s Chicago gangsters as its thing. So we sort that's of, fun. but the thing is, is that the Hitler thing is vague enough and the similarities between uh, his rise to power and Trump are similar enough that we kind of co-opted the Breck play to be this Trump play. And it worked quite well. Um, and it was a really like tour de force performance for me. I got to work with a director who was really, he, we collaborated on tons of other projects, just the two of us after that. That's when the clown thing really took off for me is because the character was so, um, began in such an exaggerated, you know, it's Breck. So it's really not a typical yeah. type of, acting so you sort of like really go more from outside in um instead of the other way around and with him i like you know i had this whole character and this voice and it was hard for me to get into it and feel real with it and so i said can i come and wear my nose uh for a few rehearsals and i wear uh, i have a I have a, uh, this is the same one it's got headphones on it but it's a long one the Sierra you know, it's uh, yes, yes. And a, uh, uh, I have that same one, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's a totally different character and I find it to yeah. be a little, a little menacing actually, which I, I like, uh, you know, there's something a little more mean to me, but I never anyway. got a small one. I only ever this did red the, nose class. The only in one the I've, I've ever yeah. owned. Uh, and you can see, this is the same one I used and still use. It's like, got uh, uh, it's been taped and you uh, might it's need been to, through, Get it's it, get yourself hell. an upgrade. I, I, I kind of, but both. I also have, the, I have this, uh, uh, my current clown aesthetic is like, is it's like, I don't actually wear the nose really, but it's sort of shitty on purpose. Like I put the makeup on very fast, like as fast as I can, um, uh, because I like the way that that looks. Um, and, uh, but anyway, I did this clown. We, I did the nose in rehearsal and then Noam. I think maybe after only one day or maybe two days of rehearsal with the nose goes, let's keep the nose. And this is mm. a skillful director because I was playing the central character and had this sort of big creative impulse that was very inspiring to me. And he recognized that. And then the entire show became framed around this nose and, beca and became framed around um, uh, a circus aesthetic that was now being pumped into it. Um, and uh, and in fact, there was a framing device where the set was a hyper real Trump campaign office and I was the mailboy and everybody else had these higher 
positions of a, um, uh, uh, you know, pre-show where everybody's working in the office as the audience comes in and I'm handing out mail and then I get the un unaddressed uh, package that has this nose and I'm like what the fuck is that and then like Jim Carrey and the mask it like you know goes on and the entire world shifts around me um and there were moments where it kind of would come out and I got to sort of also be a real person who this was happening to anyway it was an amazing acting challenge it was it was the most fun I've probably ever had acting um and there was a write-up about it in the new york times and and my face was on the sunday arts edition of the new york times um fuck yeah dude and that was just like fuck yeah and there was this sort of feeling um uh 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 once again extremely sort of premature of oh i've arrived like now things will start happening um you're done uh and it was my ability, my inability to sort of ride that. But then also to be said, Donald Trump got elected and everybody thought that the in New York, especially everybody acted like the, the world was going to end. And so. Right, of course. Um, and it that is when I strangely. really. Yeah. And I really sunk into uh, like that was like the darkest, worst. Like I stopped doing anything really. Um, and uh, and it wasn't really it had very little to do with Trump, but it sort of cast the air over my personal issues um of just like yeah we're talking about how the outside world reflects the interior and vice versa and how they need to sort of have this harmonious so um you know that is when like i started going to therapy and that is when i started like sort of trying to seriously address what it was that i wanted to do and i was so distracted by so many different things and so then i just totally uh 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 when I'm just going to be a clown because I also got tired of telling people I was an actor. Um, Cause I didn't feel like I still actually don't like saying that I am um, or a director. I like that in this, at this point in your story, you are more comfortable telling people you're a clown than an actor, which I don't know anyone yeah. who has a fear of actors except for maybe you. Well, I, that's true. I mean, it's what well, I also don't like most clowns, especially ones that go into drama school. Uh, like, right, right. There's, there's, the worst. Oh, 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 how does this chair open? Like, um, uh, chair uh, open? Yeah, like a folding chair. That was what I was oh, just okay, imagining. Okay, got it, got I it. I was, I was imagining a, a normal chair wooden going, chair uh, opening. Uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like, it's, there's, there's a certain way. Anyway, I, that's, a, that's a tangent <laughs> that I don't really want to go on, actually. But, um, but, uh, uh, and, and well, because here's the thing I didn't, I still, I, I don't know. I don't acting kind of is like the thing for me, but I don't feel like that. I don't like it as a label for myself. It doesn't feel mm. totally accurate when I I do say that to people, Oh, I'm an, and I'm an actor too. Actually, what I like saying more to people is I act, um, like, which feels more do the doing true. man. That is true. I act, but I don't, I feel like when you say I'm an actor, it comes with all this other at least for me, it does, and which is probably judgmental baggage um, that comes with it. The director feels a little bit more true because even as I was in, you know, I, I directed throughout college, even though I wasn't in the program um, and uh, was, you know, successful at that, I thought, uh, and was seen by a lot of my my classmates as like the director, <laughs> you know, even though I was mostly acting with them, I was still like I had this kind of vibe of the director, which I. But then, you know, I started doing these clown shows with Noam, which were all uh, solo shows that I wrote um, that 
you know, were really fulfilling, like some of the best, most fun. And they, and they helped me, they informed me as an actor in so many ways. Um, and I really was glad I got into that art form and watched people like Bill Irwin and David Shiner and, uh, uh, you know, re reinvigorated my love of like a deep love of Buster Keaton and Chaplin, um, and Harold Lloyd and like watching those guys all the time. I still do. I like why well, I pop them on, like, you know, love those guys. And uh, then it became my job, like a sort of job fell into my lap where I could do it for, so for two and a half years, I did birthday parties and festivals and weddings. And, and all I did was be a clown. Um, for, for most of that time, I didn't really do a ton of other stuff. Uh, I, um, I did a couple solo shows. I directed. Started directing a lot. Mike Calciano, who directed, uh, who wrote this film, I directed. I've directed maybe like four or five plays that Michael has written. Um, uh, and so when I was a clown, mostly that what I was doing in my performance outlet was on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at uh, you know Tiffany's sixth birthday party. Um, where, I mean, I worked with a lot of people who probably went to some theater school or something, but what I didn't see in them was the opportunity to use this as a learning experience about how to work crowds and about how to be comfortable in new situations that are constantly changing. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I mean, like, that first year of being a birthday party clown gave me so much. Uh, I believe uh, that. I, I mean, and 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 an emotional, like like fulfilling fulfilling way too. And and it and it taught me. It gave me a point of view about the career stuff, right? Because of course, what we all want is you know uh, uh, our name in lights, face on Times Square, whatever. You know, um, I. I you know, something that's sort of like extremely legitimate um, uh, that is a testament to your worth, you know, um, that's, that's, that's to me what it, what it would mean to, you know, you would never have to prove anything to anybody ever again, because you did it the one time in the movie and now it's there forever. Um, but I would get, but you like, got I to be one... in the Sunday arts section of the New York times. So you're good. That's right. right. That's right. You know, you're if done. I die tomorrow, there's a lot of things that are checked off that it's fine. Um, like, but it is true. You're totally right. Because what I did this one party once where, um, I, I, it was like in the projects and it was like way up on this, on the, like, you know, 45th floor or something. And, uh, this, um, it was this little girl, she was probably about six or seven and she lived with her, uh, grandmother who was an invalid, um, and was like, kind of like, you know, well, mobile wheelchair bound. This thing didn't look well. I don't know. She was, you know, and, and the grandma was in rough shape, but also, you sure. know, because of health issues, uh, uh, unhealthy living, not so much age. Um, she was very overweight and stuff. There was a table set out with goodie bags, maybe like 20 goodie bags. Um, no kids showed up 
to this girl's birthday party. What the fuck? So, so there is the girl, her grandma, and me and my partner. Uh, and uh, it was mostly depressing. But there's this thing of like, you know, that girl didn't see it. She couldn't see what I could see about right. the direness of her situation. She how fucking she was sad having a good it was. time. The clowns are here. Cotton candy. Wow, magic show, balloons. Like she didn't give right. a shit. Holy and, shit, dude. <laughs> and 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 bringing and bringing that like day to her and like, you know, she's sad to see me leave and I say goodbye. Like c- kind of like what more do you need is what I'm saying like like right. I I think it was experiences like that that made me go, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have Radio City Music Hall clapping for me. But right. that girl saying goodbye to me and giving me a hug and saying she loves me is like... She's going to remember you know, that shit. Exactly. When, I, she's, I, 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 yeah. when she's in therapy later or talking to her spouse and they're yeah. like, wait, tell me the story of your birthday again? And then yeah. she tells it and they're like, that's... Do you know how fucked up that is? And they're like, no, there were clowns. Yeah. They were really cool. And be like, right. babe, I love you, but you have to understand right. that that was not good. Like that was yeah. the saddest shit and you deserve better and blah, 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 like all this stuff. But she's going to yeah. remember the fucking clowns that came. There was nobody there, no friends, but the fucking clowns and they put on a good goddamn show and I never found the quarter. I never yeah. found it. Yeah. That's pretty, that's great, really dude. Quick, actually. Give me one second. I'm getting the Go ahead. It's my roommates. You're good. We just got to, we'll wrap up when you get back. Old ass MacBook here. <laughs> but um yeah. <laughs> well, and then I I quit the clown job right before the pandemic. Pandemic happened. I did nothing. All I did was watch movies mostly, moved to LA, and then decided all I ever really wanted to do, as I always knew I wanted to do, was make movies. And so now that is what I'm mostly committed to. The clown stuff is like a hobby. Um and, and I I like get ideas for clown bits all the time and I'll write them down. And like, sometimes I'll, an opportunity will present itself where someone's like, Hey, you want to like come do a bit? Cause like now it's all adult stuff. It's all uh, a specific character, Dr. Pockets, who's a therapist. Um, and it's all nude, you know, right? It's fully nude. I get, I, I, I've gotten close. There was a part of it that was like uh, the whole idea is that I stopped going to therapy during the pandemic because I hate, I hated zoom therapy. Sure. Um, there's something you've about, done very well in this. Thank you. Um, yeah. But it's something about the uh, uh, well, it's a, you know, our circumstances of this conversation are a little different though. Like uh, I'm not paying you. Um, and also, wait, I'm, what? It, <laughs> the fuck like, out of oh, yeah. here, well, dude. Well, only if I get to plug uh, Celsius. Um, Please but, do. Uh, Brought to uh, you by. Uh, yeah, exactly. But um, 
you know, I was, I was, I was paying whatever. It's like $150 an hour. I think he brought it down like a hundred an hour when it was zoom. It's still, it's like, you know, it's not nothing. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And uh, as it's already apparent in this, you know, I would do most of the talking in that hour. And sure. like, um, and uh, you need someone to interrupt but, you a little bit. Well, it's not just that, but it, it's the, it's the mentality of, we both have come here. I knew he lived in Long Island and right. I lived in Brooklyn and we both commuted to the office to both be there. He's there all day, but you know, I made yeah, the trip. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm sitting in the room. We're sitting across from each other. And so even if he's just listening to me, I feel like it's, um, um, you know, genuine. I think, I think the, 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 I have an intrusive thought, which is that they don't care about me, um, you know, right. or that they don't like me. Um, and that, you know, because the, the whole money element get, gets in the way for me, I just kind of, I'm right. like, oh, I'm paying you. So you'll just do whatever the fuck, you know? And like, do right. I really need to pay you a hundred dollars to sit silently across from me? So I stopped going to therapy. I want to go again. I, 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 I'm very pro therapy. I don't think it's a bad thing or anything like that, but, um, that was just an issue I was having. You'd be better off spending so my, that money at the strip club. Same situation, yeah. <laughs> but you know exactly what you're getting as you leave. Yeah, well, pff, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, you, you may not know everything you, test, uh, you you got while you were there. Yeah, I might but, be leaving with a little more than I bargained for, maybe. Um, all but, depends. Uh, yeah, but um, but my clown character became a therapist because I was like, oh, my, you know, I like my clowns to be silent, and so I was like. That'd be funny. Like if, um, you know, so I, I establish through an intro that I'm a therapist similar to like Lucy and Charlie Brown. Like I've got a doctor as in sign and um, set up a chair, set up the mic. Uh, well, some usually I get the audience member first. I find an audience member and this is really fun and kind of difficult to find somebody who's not going to have a nervous breakdown and somebody who's not going to use the opportunity to be funny themselves. Right. Um, and and bring them because honestly i did do that once and that was a fucking mistake yep fucking mistake. no you can't the have guy, two funny people this guy's fucking time. show and it, and and it and then nobody was funny is really what happened um yep. and uh uh nobody wins so anyway luckily hopefully i get somebody who's silent for the first like minute or two and then starts nervously saying a few things um right but Mostly the gag is that I set them down in the chair, put the microphone up to them, take out my notebook, this notebook. And then I just sort of sit and like. Right. Stuff like that. Slowly their behavior will be, they'll, they'll adjust in their seat, you know, or something like that. And and then slowly, progressively, I fall in love with them. That's how the bit resolves, um, is that I fall in love with them. Uh, I kind of have a contrived bit where I make the person go away. Um, and then I, uh, and then I, and then I, I use my helium tank and I sing a sad, I sing Brazil on helium. Um, Why? Brazil. Where do you do this? I did it at various venues. So I did it like uh, I've never done an open mic. I, I I thought about it for a long time because I was, but I was like, this is going to be too much, I think, for an open mic. Um, it would be like, a lot. It'd be a lot. I, I just in don't New think York, that, like, it would be a lot. If you were at an open mic in like Kansas City, it would be a little bit different. Yeah, 
frankly, I think it would be incredible in a place like that. But um, it does well. My friend Jared Thompson, who's uh, Drama 2010, he Jared. does like, yeah, he does clown shit at open mics and stuff. And uh, I, it does better in Arkansas. Right, right. Um, m- mine is definitely a little, Is I mean, it's like, it's somewhat avant-garde i guess it's somewhat uh it's somewhat of an alternative comedy type thing it's not stand-up it's not stand-up no 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 and i mean and that's what a lot of people at open mics are expecting both to do and to see and when anything breaks that rules they're like right so the venues where i do this stuff i'm generally uh you know bookended by burlesque performances or drag awesome drag queens so that's like where i've gone and done this um but I did do it enough. Last summer, I did it a ton. I did like I really kind of developed and created the character and like did a whole bunch of things. And it kind of climaxed in this thing that we did called um, uh, me and these two guys that I met uh, through various mutual friends um, who have access to time and money and space and are into this kind of art form. So they um, have given me a lot of a lot of cool opportunities and they just bought a space in Brooklyn that they're going to turn into a affordable performance and rehearsal space as long and, and operating bar. Um, Hell yeah. Dude. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, I don't have any real stake in it in any legitimate sense, but you know, I was one of the first people they wanted to show it to. And, very personally and like, we're saying things like Dr. Dr. Pockets might be like, you know, a, 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 a spiritual kind of mascot for this place, um, which I think would be very cool. But we did this big show called Dr. Pockets Birthday Bacchanalia. That was a variety show of all clowns and sideshow performers. So what is a was, Bacchanalia? Uh, like a, like a, um, nice like accessible a word for party. people. Okay. It's, no, yeah. It's a debauched word. It's a, like a debauched party. Like, uh, like, like the Bacchae uh, uh, is a similar, you know, when I think Bacchanalia, you know, I think a bunch of like, like, you know, perfectly uh, uh, sculpted Greeks or Romans laying on top of each other, soaked in wine, like, you know, naked, like that's the okay. Bacchanalia. Um, what, like, is, the that idea Italian? is that Italian? I don't know what it is. I have no idea. It sounds Italian. It's a very big, weird word. I've never heard, Matt. That's all. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because like, it's, a, it, yeah. I, the, uh, <laughs> when I floated it as an idea for the name of the event, um, the two other guys were like, Ooh, that's good. And they both it's knew Bacchanalia. And I would tell it to other people and they were like, Oh yeah. But then slowly, as I told more, it is one of those words that not as many people. I've never know. heard it in my whole life. Not it once. makes me feel a little, it's funny. That's that surprises me um, a little bit. I've got an I okay said, vocabulary. Okay, but no, I'm gonna gesundheit. have to add that to it. You, you know, you you've heard, you know, gesundheit, right? I do. Yeah. So That's I Hitler I for God bless you. In a, in a yes, in a car with a bunch of people once, young people, a little bit younger than me, actually, I'd say. So you know, maybe these uninterested, uh, yeah, just Gen detached uh, Gen detached. Z. They don't know anything before two thousand one. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I said gesundheit when somebody sneezed, and somebody said. What? I said Gesundheit. And they're like, what what? Like they were so confused. And I was like, it's like right. a thing you say in the blush. It's like a sneeze. And I was like, it's like you guys haven't and I was gaslit basically <laughs> by this car. Because this whole people, all these people are like, no, no. Um, literally denied that they were like, I've never heard of that. 
I've never heard of that. Have you heard of that? No, I've never heard of that. And all of a sudden I'm like, I, it, 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 Matt, these are exactly the fucking kids I'm talking about. God damn it. These are them because they're like, I've never heard it. So I'm pretty sure that means it doesn't exist is the dumbest attitude to have about anything. I've never heard of it. Yeah. No. What did I say when I heard your Bacchanalia thing? I was like, what? I assume what you said that was such authority that that's a real thing. I don't know about as opposed to, um, I think you're making that up, Matthew. Right, right, right. Ridiculous. It seems like a lie. Yeah, exactly. And why would you make up such a weird word for that situation? You were like 14 and you're like, someone said, bless you. And you're like, that's boring. I'm going to make up something that sounds Austrian. Yeah. I don't know. I heard yeah, something I, I think it would be funny like, to hear Schwarzenegger say. Right, right. It's the same thing about about somebody saying, uh, say uncle. I had to right. I had to t- like when someone's somebody twisting that that your arm thing. or something. Like, say uncle, say uncle. And they're like, say uncle. And I'm like, you know, like it's like a thing, like surrender. And they're like, why? Like, why is it uncle? And I'm like, well, I mean, I have no idea, but it is a thing people say. And they're like, if you don't know, why it's hard not it to become like, egotistical you- when so many people are so dramatically uncultured, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's right. Confidently. What choice do we have? Um, well, we don't have any more time today, unfortunately, but I had such a blast talking to you and I should say more listening to you. You're one of the few people who can get me to actually pay attention and not interrupt people who listen to this show will be like, this actually was the least Rob has spoken. I think in uh, quite a few episodes. It's a good thing. I, 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 uh, I'm not totally surprised, but I, uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, I had a lot of, there are plenty of people who can talk and then I'm like, um, I'm more interesting. I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to break this up, but you had plenty to say, which I really appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you you having me on as well. Um, and thank you for uh, tracking down my microphone that got lost in the New York postal system. Yeah, it actually was not ended up not being that bad. It was pretty uh it was pretty manageable. Luckily, I was get we were getting packages during the pandemic. And let me tell you the lines. Oh, I bet. Kind of gave me PTSD. So I was like, I was just like really fearing the inevitable line I would have to wait in. But when I went to the right Cleared one, up. there was no line. It was just like I went there. Um, the guy, uh, had it right away. So now we can just pass it around between people and we won't have to, um, ship it again anytime soon. Hopefully we'll just keep kind of moving it to new people. Yeah. I like this new, this, you get this Times Square. Is that a poster? Yeah. It's like a canvas print. Oh, nice. Of uh Times Square. I think we figured out circa like. 96 97 just based on like what's on times square and stuff like that yeah i think so the cars are very like look very like late 80s into the 90s huh it's just something about the way the uh the circles look that seem so current to me i can't remember when they switched that but I do remember when that system was like brand new. It was very like late Giuliani, early Bloomberg, mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. So we're, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a historian. I'm not a dramaturge or whatever that word is that I don't ever say right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks, dude. I appreciate you Absolutely. stopping by. Of course. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.